Right, hello everybody. Welcome back to What Would the Smart Party Do? Uh, still coming at you with so many guests this summer. It is the summer of guests. Um, we just keep finding interesting people to talk to and interesting people want to come and talk to us, um, which is good because the most interesting man of all is my mate Gaz. Hello Gaz, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, Baz. I think you're right. It's like buses out there. There's people queued up outside my door. I don't know what your house is like. Just guests waiting to come on the show. That would be a random axe murderer in your street, I believe. I sent him round. I thought, thought I got rid of him. Okay, we, we need to find a different wandering monster table. I don't like this one. It's scary. <laughs> right, r- roll a d6 see if you can summon a new guest. Oh, I've, uh, I've rolled OSR. What does that mean? Uh, that means... Well, I don't know, but I do know a man who does. Um, hello, Dan. You right. Hello. Um, we've got Dan Sell with us. Uh, not for the first time. Dan Sell was last with us on episode 13. Um, a very holy number indeed. And now we're up to like episode 79 or something. So 65 episodes ago, we had uh, the, the miraculous Dan Sell on. Hello, Dan. It's really lovely to have you back, mate. Um, we do speak in the meantime. It's not just like we go three years and carry on conversations. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. Um, lovely to have you back on. Um, and I think we may talk about the same subject we talked about last time because ostensibly you're here to shill your goods are you not yes yes uh, i think i might have even been shilling similar goods last time i think you did yeah yeah although a lot less numinous yes less numinous which is which i am going to make part of like everyday uh, usage it's going to happen people will just start using it it's going to be the new thing um <laughs> But yeah, I guess it's I guess it's the second edition, I suppose. I mean, not really, because it's basically the same thing, which is to say, Troika is what I was pushing last time, and it is also what I'm pushing again. I mean, I've done other things in the meantime. Yeah, we'll go back and cover that stuff, no doubt. We might as well start recent and work backwards. On all other podcasts, you get asked what was the first game you ever played and and how did you get into role playing but we always start with like you know what you do yesterday and go back from there and see how far we go so what's going on with the <laughs> troika kickstarter as of the last 24 hours we're mid kickstarter now i think you're funded i mean oh yeah yeah we're, we're we're super funded we got um we were asking for 5000 yeah 5000 and we're on 11 and something which is good cool. which is good that'll get some books made uh which is frankly astonishing considering it's not dungeons and dragons I don't understand it. What is it then? It's uh, it's fighting fantasy. I mean, it's not fighting fantasy. No, it's not. I'll no, fight no. you if you say it is. <laughs> but um, you know, <laughs> it is though, isn't it? And it's, it's Dungeons and Dragons sells. Nothing else does really, unless you are in bed with like you know influencers and whatnot and stuff like that. You know, the people that do stuff while people watch. <laughs> Oh, we're still talking about gaming now. I'm just on the check. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> right, good. So um, you, you've got this second edition that you, you're building now, or, or chilling about, as you say. Um, I noticed that the Black Hack 2, mm-hmm. or a, a revised edition of the Black Hack's come out as well. And also um, Into the Odd uh, by Christmas Donut. He's, he's sort of like done his, his electric bastion land. Yeah. So is this... Um, is there like a conspiracy? Have all the British OSR guys got together and decided to sell out to the man and do a second edition, or is <laughs> no, it purely no, coincidental? I, I think we, we all did it without telling anyone else, which was very irritating, because I was going to start Troika earlier, and then bloody Black Hack turns up. David wouldn't kill you to tell me you were going to do it. Thank you. But yeah, no, it's just it's just the season for it, I suppose. I mean, they all came around, out around the same time. I think it was Into the Odd, Black Hack, then Troika. Yeah, I think that was the order they came out. And they all, it was all in the same year, I think. So, 
makes sense for them to, to kind of cycle around. And as, as, the, as is the nature of, of our kind of area of making things, is that the first go-round was the slightly rough version, maybe, I guess. It's like the Ashcan version people call it sometimes, isn't it? Although it's, I mean, it's, it's not really changing very much. Uh, the words are the same. It's just a, a prettier book, better laid out, and I fixed all the terrible, terrible mistakes I put in it. As I put in, <laughs> left it, I'll say left. I guess we'd better take a little gamble through the meadow of what is Troika, because you've done yourself the amazing favour of naming it after something that's easily accessible. It does exactly what it says on the tin. No one knows what Troika is unless they've already got Troika, do they? Yeah, <laughs> no. What, what, what are you getting under the under the covers, either first time round or this time round? It's been, what, like a year and a half, two years since I started trying to sell Troika, and I still don't know what to say to people. It's terrible at conventions. They're like, what's this then? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> what have you got on the back cover? That's normally a good clue. <laughs> oh, you sh- if, if, yeah, you say that. <laughs> First one has a big eyeball and, that's oh. it, and a barcode. And the second one has a, a Gnostic prayer because I really hate writing back of book copy because it's, it's, just, it's just awkward. It's talking about your book in that weird kind of way, and it's not like people are going to be looking at it in shops and going, "Oh, what is this thing that I may purchase?" The only way they're going to find it is on my website or by coming up to me at a convention. So it's fine. <laughs> the new one will probably also not have anything very useful on the back, from from what I've been talking to with, uh, with Jeremy Duncan, who's doing the cover again. But yeah, it is. Uh, what I'm settling on is that it's a science fantasy role play game built in the, shall we say. 80s British tradition um, <laughs> it's what I'm sticking to because I, I know it's like saying uh, saying about compatibility is, is people but yeah it's, it's a science fantasy role play game about moving between spheres going to different places meeting strange people for the most part it's a terrible elevator pitch I mean I'm going to run by three right now <laughs> <laughs> That's see. That's why I've spent a lot of money on art. It's like so. Just yeah, like you yeah. know, just like it's just it's this. Look at it. Ooh, look at it. Yeah, buy one. Buy one. Well, that that'll go down brilliantly on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> all your expensive imagery is literally wasted on that on the smart posse. Just have to take our word for it. I will. I will describe it. I've got um, I've got a bit of a quote or part of an review that I saw for the original Troy Crash. Then mm-hmm. wondering what you think of this because the. The sort of like the first line about this review is that it's the British equivalent to an OSR game. So, what do you think? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that just struck me as odd thinking that is OSR can that not be British or something like that? Seemed like an odd thing to say. But do you think that's oh, OSR is distinctly American or something, or, or where does that come from? It's because I think most people that aren't like inside it making things, most people uh, use OSR. As um, shorthand for it's Dungeons and Dragons, but we're not allowed to say Dungeons and Dragons because they might sue us. But that's right. not what it is. That's just what they they treat it as. And also, I guess that like, most Americans won't have any interaction with the British like indie role play game scene because why would they? You know, they probably have. I mean, you know, like, the the American indie role play game scene doesn't have that much interaction. Why would they be interacting with you know, the English one? Yeah, I don't think it's a criticism necessarily. It just struck me something curious. And I think we probably asked you about this last time you were on in terms of what is OSR and is it even a thing. Mm. Uh, so do you, do you consider your games to be part of partly OSR or is that just like a an unhelpful term that people bandy about for a variety of different games that aren't necessarily related? I think, I don't know, it's, it's, I think the OSR is more... 
I mean, in my in my mind, the OSR is a specific group of people. That's what it is, really. It's a specific group of people and what they make. Yeah, in my in my mind, that's what that is. And and in, and anything kind of outside of that is people making things like those people. I I, I suspect most people would disagree with that definition, but eh. <laughs> yeah. I've got um, I I saw uh, again somewhere, and I don't know who said this, uh, but it was just a two word review. Is it true that your game is hipster planescape? Yeah, <laughs> that, that's the best review. It's like I, I, I wish I could say that. I want to, but I'm pretty sure Planescape has an invisible TM on the back. Of it. <laughs> but yeah, that was yeah, that was Patrick. Patrick did a he did a very good uh, breakdown of what it is. But the problem is to to do a good elevator pitch for Troika, I need to use words I'm not allowed to use. So yeah, but only Americans care, and uh, they don't care about uh, their former colonists. So. Maybe it won't matter. Oh yeah, I mean like, oh I mean like 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 on podcasts and stuff it's fine, but like putting it on the book that I know I know that my goddamn fans really get a <laughs> get a, a, a rise that I've given them to to Steve and Ian to yeah. sign. So I'd rather the books not aggravate them because <laughs> they see the bloody things all the time. So just to, let's delve into that lineage a little bit then. So. Hipster, I guess anybody could argue about all day, and there's no call for that on this particular mm-hmm. podcast. But Planescape, what, yeah. what's your history with Planescape? Is it, uh, what's the relationship between Troika, Planescape, and you? How well, does that work? Planescape. Well, the the reason I wrote Troika, there's a few reasons, but the first one was I was I decided I had I had some Planescape stuff. I had the what is it, the core box, the chaos box, and the lore box. They had the box things. Hmm. Um, that's all I had. And I suppose if you're familiar with it, that really doesn't tell you very much about the setting, really. It's all very kind of vague, bare bones. And if you also know a lot about Troika, is those... They're not Troika, goddammit. Planescape. <laughs> Different things. But those three <laughs> books are the best stuff they did as well. Mm. So I came back to Planescape much later. I thought, well, I'll just pick some more up, because I can, because I'm an adult and I have money. Um, and I was <laughs> reading them, and they were terrible. And the more the more they explained the things that were hinted at in those three box sets, they just stole all the the magic and mystery and all that cool stuff I'd imagined when I was younger. It's like mm, yeah. just it's like it's it's depressing that they could um, they were doing stuff like um, like oh this this is an infinite plane and here is the three pages that describe everything in it. That doesn't make sense. That's stupid. Mm. So I was just really I was really annoyed at Planescape one week. And then you know it got me thinking about uh, nostalgia and how it's how people do it wrong in my mind, in that they're like when they make a game, when they make a nostalgic game, all they're doing is they're going through the the motions of what that original thing was. So like, so you can't you can't feel like the like Dungeons and Dragons obviously is the thing that they do all the time. Um, you can't get that magical Dungeons and Dragons first time feeling by playing Dungeons and Dragons again. That's not that's not going to create that feeling. You have to do something new that triggers those same kind of feelings. So I wanted Troika to to create a that the kind of that that weird sense of confusion and wonder that you got when you played like the fight and fantasy books, which make no sense, obviously, and the Planescape books, which didn't make sense until they did make sense and were ruined. Yeah, so like Troika was was very very deliberately designed to maintain a specific level of confusion to the point of being kind of titillating mm-hmm. while never explaining it enough that it ruins it for you yeah so 
the 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 commentary on Planescape is really interesting because that's in some quarters that's revered as as one of you know AD and D's greatest moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I share your opinion. I, I think with with most game companies, it wouldn't even be just D and D. I think most of the time they get great ideas, and because they're paid by the word or they're full time employees of businesses, they just bloat these things beyond all recognition and take the wonder out of them, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a shame. But Planescape is, I mean, it's it's highly collectible, and people pay a great deal of money for it even now. And I think Wizards of the Coast have never really gone back and done anything major with it. They've just kept it in the background, perhaps, and dropped little elements of it into their newer stuff. But it's still got a, a really big fan base who, who love every word of it, and they, they speak highly of the supplements. Where's that come from, do you think? Um, I mean, some of them some of them are good. It's like, if, if Monty Cook did it, then it's probably pretty good. Like, okay. I know he did... Um, oh, what did he do? Some of the, the first two monster books, they're, they're really solid. Yeah. Um, there's a book. They did loads of books on the demons and devils and stuff. I think there's one of them that has like like a person in a spotlight on the front. I can't remember what it's called, mm. but that's really good. That one's really good. And then the future treatments of demons and devils and stuff was terrible, but that one was excellent. I don't remember why, but that was like I think it was like two or three books I got beyond the ones I originally had that turned out to be actually good and had good stuff in them. Mm. Uh, faces of uh, Sigil, Sigil, whatever Harry you want to pronounce it. There's, most of the stuff about the city is good, yeah. Except for the the last bit they did, which ruined everything, which was just <laughs> silly. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm I don't know, but I'm going to guess that came out around the same time that White Wolf were doing their meta plot nonsense, and that's mm-hmm. what forced them to do it. Just yeah, like, oh, it the, the kids love the meta plots. Let's change everything. Um, yeah, no. So, what what brought you into what what appealed to you about Planescape and that kind of thing in the first place? Were there were there other vectors for you? Was there like fiction that you enjoyed that that it was like playing the same guitar strings in your mind, or, or no, what it was, was it drew you to Planescape? It was, it was literally because it was the only thing I had. Ah, uh, do because, it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because you know. I was poor, I had very few things, and this was one of the very few things I had. So Planescape it is. I will obsessively <laughs> read this over and over again. Cool. <laughs> so that's why I was very disappointed when it turned out that, you know, there was just a little old man behind the curtain, you know? Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. I think that's that's been the flaw of several games though. I mean like my one of my gripes about Gloranthra is that people have written too much about it. So when yeah. when I first started playing it was like RuneQuest two and you got these things called Rob Cradle and the Juristellian. There's they're all like bits and pieces, and like a giant sending a crab with a baby down the river. And it's the first time that's happened in a thousand years, and it's never explained why or what's going on. So and that made it magical. And like you say, it's that bit of loads of titillating bits that got you excited. And you like you wanted to know more. And it was all great. And as soon as people started explaining why it was all happening, it was like you've now you've ruined it. Now I, I had different stuff going on in my head, and you've now made it into something else that's not as magical as I thought it was. Mm. Yeah, and and not. Also, the other bad thing about explaining too much is that if you if you demonstrate to the to the people buying your books that you will tell them more about everything eventually, then they're going to be paralysed with not wanting to to add anything because like oh it might change later. They might tell you this is you're doing it wrong. So like I can't do it. I can't create anything. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's better to promise never to explain anything, and then people can freely just do whatever they want. 
So is Troika a complete work? Then will there be other things that are not even necessary, but maybe nice to have? So that you there will you be more make... things, but mm -hmm. uh, I mean I've stated it in various places that like um, like on the on the on the Kickstarter there are various chapbooks. I, I foolishly put in a tier where people could just give me two hundred pounds for me to write another chapbook. <laughs> so now I have to write <laughs> loads of the damn things, um, which I'm very appreciative of. Thank you very much for all your money. But I've got to do these things, and also there's. Uh, what do you call them? Where they give you more money and you do stuff. Stretch goals. Stretch goals. There are stretch yeah. goals where I get people that I know to write um, little chapbooks for me. And I don't know if I explained that anywhere, but like I'm not telling any of them what any of the others are doing. And in some of them, <laughs> some of their cases, they've never played Troika, and I'm not going to explain it to them. So everything they do is going to be completely contradictory to everything everyone else does and that's great that is that is what i want it to be like there is no canon and uh you know i can i can guarantee that i will change my mind about stuff so just just go crazy just do things yeah when you when you hear about games of troika being played out in the wild mm -hmm. by other by other things i think there must be you tell me if i'm wrong there must be a really thrilling experience to to hear that people you've never met are doing stuff with words you wrote on a word processor. Yeah, and, yeah, especially and imaginations especially, getting fired. That's weird, isn't it? Oh god, yeah, yeah, it's very strange, especially that a lot of them are running games way better than me. They're just like like their games sound way more excited than mm -hmm. mine. I'm jealous. <laughs> um, I mean, I think the other the unexpected thing of it, I mean, because there's obviously all the there's all the the incredibly strange ones doing weird stuff and whatnot. But then there's this other kind of subset of people playing Troika who they just play it with their children lots yeah. of people play Troika with their children it's uh, wasn't expected or planned for but it's very appreciated what what sort of things do people do in Troika I, I mean a common issue I have with games is uh, I think they're sometimes very interesting reads and sometimes they look great but I'm not entirely sure what to do um, is, is Troika one of those games where it's up to you, or is there any structure that you have in mind for people to play it with? Uh, there's no, I have no structure in mind because mm -hmm. uh, I, I, when I was playing it a lot, uh, I would run it in various different ways. There's no set like, like a, a lot of the time I was playing it like uh, like you'd play Traveller. You know, they have their they have their interdimensional ship and they float around doing weird stuff. Then there's the ones where they're just they're natives. In a in a strange place, doing weird things. I mean, you can do all kinds of stuff, but again, that was something I didn't want to. I didn't want to lay out explicitly because once you start, um, you know, marking out ground, then if you if you leave anything out, people are going to assume that you don't do that with it. Uh, or if you're, I mean, they'll they just they'll they'll stick on things. I don't want people to stick on things. Um, and people seem to have got the idea that there people are. I, I like that people are running it in wildly different ways, um, and even like the, the setting things that are in the book. Everyone is has gone completely unexpected directions with them. Like I, they have they have interpreted what I've said in completely the wrong way, which is fantastic. It's like they'll they're like some because there's like I don't know, there's like four or five like planes described. A bit in the book, and mm -hmm. they're always different when someone else is playing in them, and that's great. So, 
Troika from from memory and uh, and looking over what you've got up on the Kickstarter at the moment. I, I, is it? I think I think this is right. You can get pretty much a draft of the first edition. You can look through the whole game and see what you're going to get. I believe. Um, not sure if that's the case, but I remember it being absolutely full of of cool character concepts, which I think are called backgrounds in your game. Mm-hmm. Have I got that right? Yep. Cool. Okay, so, and I think there was, uh, how many was there in edition one? Do you remember? There was a good few dozen, if I remember. Oh, this, uh, the backgrounds have remained unchanged. They're, well, I mean, I've, I fixed some dodgy bits, but there, uh, there are 36 of them. Ah, that's it, 36. Okay, so how drunk were you when you came up with them? Because there's, oh. some, there's some bonkers stuff in there, right? <laughs> well, like, okay, so Troika was um, written with some very specific parameters in mind and it was also uh like before i started like really going at it i was i was muddling around with what kind of voice i wanted for it Mm -hmm. um because if you have if you if you write it with a very strong like right like a like you know what I mean like by a voice like a writer's voice kind of thing like yeah the, the authorial yeah. kind of tone and yeah yeah. like the, the tone of the book is very, needs to be very specific very clear very consistent um, because then that will encourage people to copy it which they have like people people very naturally are making backgrounds now and they mm. are they are absolutely nailing uh, the tone that's used in Troika which is exactly mm. as intended but yeah so a lot of work went into figuring out the 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 way of writing them, but then after that was done, then it was the entire book, pretty much as it stands now, was 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 channeled over the course of about a week. The whole thing was done. Wow! It was just uh, once once all like there was a lot of noodling around beforehand, just like oh like you know, just making bits here and there. But once once I knew the direction, the book was just just kind of rolled out. Crazy. How about the art? Did you have um, art direction in mind? Were you giving clear instructions to illustrators? No. Uh, I, I, uh, for the record, I never give clear instructions to artists. I uh, am their favourite client. I just... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I hire people based on uh, on wanting them to do their thing to my stuff. Uh, so I like, um, usually I'll just give them the text and say, I want like three, three things. Give me three things, please. And then they do three things. Um, in in Troika's case, uh, I knew Jeremy has a weird thing for um, the kind of Gnostic mysticism stuff, uh, so I knew he'd be, he'd be he'd know what he's doing, and he did. Like I just you know I said I want I we have this much time I want as much art as you can fit into that kind of deadline, and then that's what he did, and it was great. <laughs> I love this idea that everything seems to be about this sort of game production and people involved, and even the people playing it is just completely free form. It's just like people go and do whatever you want, and people seem to be doing yeah. things that all seem to like, but that still have some cohesion that seem to be the right theme somehow. Well, that's that's the thing. Like like Troika is just a um, like a culmination of of the design ethic of the entire bloody publishing house. It's just uh, <laughs> it's just some kind of shamanic ritual. The whole thing. It's just you just you just push put things in motion at the right time in the right direction and then they they mostly come together at the end um, or it's like um 
like the whole thing of the the other thing with Troika is that the backgrounds they don't they don't sit well together at all. They are mm. they you can have a completely ludicrous party, and then it's your it's your problem to rationalise that, and that's fun. That's um, you know you you we will find the connections between them on our own. We will just naturally decide why the Lamassu is hanging out with the necromancer same thing of the art like you look at the book now and it may it looks like oh that's obvious like that that the art style and the writing they go together it's like well they don't they just they just happen to be next to each other um they could that could have been any anything put there it just it makes sense now because we've we've made those connections sure. yeah. so does it make sense then that um this sounds like you've you've kind of learned as you've gone along with this stuff um onto a second edition so what have you been doing recently that's led you to this place to to go back and revisit Troika? You've been, you've, this is not your first Kickstarter. More than a few products have come out of your publishing house now, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you've got a bit of a portfolio going on while no one's been looking. How do you yeah, that? yeah, got uh, got an any out of one of them, which um, was nice. It was uh, really. I just, I just, I, I, I need Troika to be up to. Like the physical quality of Troika needs to be up to standard, I mm. think. So that was that was something I needed to do. Also, I keep going out of stock, so I need. <laughs> I'd like to just order an awful lot of them all at once. Yeah, that was that was that was, that was basically it. I just I just needed, I need Troika to be on the same level as everything else we're we're doing because I it sells better than everything else, and I I feel that it should be as nice as them. Mm. Plus, there is more stuff for Troika coming out at some point, so I just it probably should be like the rule book mm. should be as nice as the whatevers that come out afterwards. I think. Yeah, makes sense. T- uh, tell us about your any win then. They don't come along every day. Oh yeah, that um, that was a surprise. I mean, it was mainly it's mainly Luke's win really. I mean, it's his book, but I mean, it's, it's the weird, it's the judge's choice. It's like it's it's awkward. It's like what 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 is this for? Like. What does that mean? What is this? What, is, what did we do to get a judge's choice? I mean, but whatever. I, I mean, guess the judges chose it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, like the other ones, it's like they're telling you, like, oh, we like the, your pictures, we like your writing. The judge's choice one is just like, I personally think you are the tops. Right. So it's just it's, it's it confuses me, but it's fine. I got a medal. It's great. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take anything. Um, Where'd you keep the medal? Oh, it is! It is! It is! It is hanging on my wall so that everyone sees it when they come in. They go, "Oh, you have any?" He's like, "Yes, I do have an any," and I will then insist on being called any award-winning Daniel. Just like you know, if you've got like a, if you're a doctor, you can be, you can insist. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. We, we're Diana Jones award-winning podcasters. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because so, we've done some actual play, so you know, <laughs> it's, it's, you should do that as well. Whenever you fill in like an online form and they don't have, you know your award pre-title thing you should complain like they're just discriminating against my particular you know, <laughs> prefix yeah you need a little drop down menu available for when you're applying for credits and cards like, is it Mr, Ms, Mrs or award winning yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> very important uh, yeah we got I you know I submitted it and then uh, when they got announced my editor told me oh by the way you've won an any like oh forgot about that <laughs> <laughs> the accidental any award well I mean I wasn't I wasn't really 
I mean, the Ennies aren't something I've ever followed or thought about. I just I submitted it because it was like a, it was a it was during a fit of professionalism, thinking like, oh, I'm the publisher. I should really try and get the people that work with me some awards, shouldn't I? It's like, ugh, fine, I'll send this off. It's good. <laughs> it should win, but it won't because no one appreciates us. We're too cool. Um, <laughs> I like the fact that you've called yourself a publisher. You've mentioned your editor, and you've got people working for you, but you're trying to claim that you're not at all professional. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, well, I suppose, like when we say professionalism, we mean um, is nice to customers. I guess that's what they really mean. Um, or and staff. I mean, I'm horrible to both of them, so it's fine. It's uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, we got it, and that's good. And it's mostly like. I mean, again, like I, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like it's my award. It's, it's really like Luke's, and I think like like Luke and Christian definitely those two did some crazy cool stuff, and and Jarrett, of course, being the the uh, the the uh, the power behind the throne, who basically runs everything, is his really. I'm just here as the as the the beautiful face. Um, <laughs> that's face for radio. That's why you're on the podcast. <laughs> Exactly. People, it's a people good time you've got that face because you're so up. rubbish at this. We should say we should tell people what this damn thing is called. It's 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 called Fever Swamp, right? Oh yeah, so, Fever Swamp. That's you, the one. You have to remember to say this stuff out loud occasionally. I don't know how you manage to fund anything. It's ridiculous. There's there's a reason why we don't make enough money to live. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, Fever Swamp, and it won an award, and then we sold like. Good solid twenty extra copies. Yeah. Hey, is that what the, an Ennies is worth to a publisher these days? Twenty copies. I know. I mean, it's 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 pretty poor. It's realistically like like the Ennies. I mean, bless their cotton socks, etc., etc. They. Ha- I don't think they really have any influence. Like, if we really wanted to sell like a, a two hundred copies, whoa, go crazy. Um, we need to get some YouTuber to say, hey. Guys, look at this. That's the tops in it, and then mm. off they go. But yeah, awards are nice, especially when they come with medals. I think ev- like everyone who does an award thing, they should give something because I think we, I think Crits of Indormancy won a couple of things, but they didn't give me anything, so I've forgotten what they were. <laughs> That's like, <laughs> it's not that I'm shallow and want stuff. It's like if you give me a thing, I'll see it and think, oh yeah that thing right must remember that so. yeah there have to be virtual gifts involved you can't just have like you know some kudos that's not gonna remind yeah, yeah, him I mean, of anything like, yeah that's the other thing like i don't i don't need people telling me i'm great i know that already i want stuff Still. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well like so interestingly about the Ennies is it was all about D when it started because that's what their forum was all about so D just won everything for years and at that point it's like what why have a an award ceremony because all you're doing is saying we like this game quite a lot so it's good now that at least even though you're not seeing the materialistic benefits of it that like games will get talked about a little bit more in authors so like Luke for example might be a little bit better known name now when people when he produces another book for example or writes another book it's like oh that's that guy who did the thing for the Ennis and it at least gives you that kind of like extra bit of if not kudos then recognition and, and like brand recognition I suppose Oh yeah, yeah, it's all good. It all adds up. It's just a, it's a big, it's a big tank full of stuff that has happened to us that will be good in the future. Um, yeah, I mean, and any is also good for when people uh, give you that kind of oh, who are you look, and you're like, well, we've won an any, don't you? Don't you know? 
<laughs> where any award winning you know everyone who was involved with this book screw off which is nice <laughs> and you can wear the medal and you can point at it as well just oh, to underline your you, point and reinforce it you could totally kill some of it as well that thing is really heavy and it's a good it quality ribbon. oh it is it's like um uh i don't know something to 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 compare it to it's like jam jar lid it's a little bit smaller than jam jar lid a little bit bigger than a christmas chocolate coin or oh, wagon wheel then yeah, wagon wheel. The new ones, not the old ones. New wagon. Yeah, 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 we're with you now. Yeah, new wagon. No, the old school ones. <laughs> no, no, no. If it was that, you could you could knock down a house over it. But no, it's uh, <laughs> you could you could do some serious damage. That is really cool. Mm. I, I think you can't knock it, mate. Right, let's talk more about your back catalogue and put you on the spot and ask you for names of things you've actually sold for money. Okay. So, uh, crypts. Crypts yes. was um. Crips was a big deal, wasn't it? Isn't it still a big deal? It was. Oh, Tell us about Crips because you can get all of these things still, can't you, from you for money? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that's a good thing, right? Still so t- talk about Crips. Crips of Indormancy is a uh, is is that's Ezra Clavery who wrote that, who is who's a, a dear and lovely person who likes to write really awful things, and <laughs> it is it's probably the least awful thing I've seen from him. We will be seeing more from him, by the way. He's right. got an entire series of things based in the in the setting of uh, Crypts of Dormancy, which is um like his, his the, the setting for his kind of thing is uh, the elves used to be the British Empire basically, um, and now they're in a kind of a post-colonial British Empire phase where they're still like hoity-toity better than you, but they uh, they care for you at least legally, um, and. Crips and Dormancy is kind of in semi-Polynesian islands and it's about a, a very complicated political move to have the party despoil a old racist general's tomb and start a race war, basically. Um, it's, so standard stuff then? Yeah, it's. I mean, it, it is. That's the thing. It is a very. Uh, when you look at it, it's like it's a standard kind of dungeon crawl, but it has weird uh, implications and and it is. I guess you could call it maximalist. It's a very long book in a very small dungeon because he, Ezra talks at length about everything in it because mm. uh, where the curtains come from is important and interesting. It's like a setting book disguised right. as a dungeon. And yeah, it was uh, it was good fun, good 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 fun. Slightly uh, slightly difficult to to sell to people, but regardless, I'm gonna I'm I have a standing order of Ezra that I will publish everything he does, regardless of how much people want them. <laughs> so <laughs> I've just quickly skipped across to Ten Foot Pole Dog, which does reviews of all these kind of things, and it's it's tagged as no regrets on there, which is good. What does that mean? I saw that and I thought that's probably good, isn't it? From him, that's yeah. outstanding. That's, that's like really medal. Because oh, like most of his tags are, I do not buy, do not buy ever. <laughs> like I regret buying this thing. Like I'm going to go around the, you know, the, the worst ever. There's about six different ways of saying this is bad. <laughs> so, so when he says like no regrets, that's like next to the top. Basically. Oh, I mean, he's always been nice about all our things. Uh, I think he, he is he also the one that has the the lists the play testers at the end. Yes, or the fact that they yeah. weren't listening. Yeah, it's like, it's like he implies we didn't have play. We did have playtesters. We just don't credit them because they they're not worth it. Because you know, <laughs> like they know who they are and they don't get to be in the book. I gave them a copy. <laughs> they they know their their position. 
do you put Kickstarter backers across the first 15 pages of your book? No, never. <laughs> they get nothing. They get a book. That's not even what... in tiny font that even they can't read? No, no, not at all. Uh, and I refuse to ever back your Kickstarters again. <laughs> this was something I was complaining to Baz about before. We keep getting books and then like honestly 10% of the per word count is like closely printed names together in 8 point font it just Why? drives me nuts like does anyone really enjoy having their name briefly put in a book yes, no one's ever going to see it really um, <laughs> they should get a hobby that isn't one of the ones they already have get another hobby it's, it's like, I think it used to mean something when there's maybe six names in the front of the book and yours is one of them. But when you're one of 80,000 or something, then it's like, I don't understand why we're here. No. Jeez. But that's a personal gripe. I'd rather have game stuff in those pages is the problem. It's not so much having people's names in the book. It's the fact you've got some printed pages that don't have cool game ideas yeah, and you set up people's names. They cost money. Those pages, like if you're printing 2,000 copies of a book, an extra four pages is a lot of money. <laughs> Save it. Don't do that. It's bad. So yeah, like you know, do something interesting instead. So things have come a long way then with uh, with with understanding the economics of printing books and and dealing with offset and stuff. Yeah. From the days when you were chucking stuff through your laser printer, <laughs> putting some coloured card around it, stamping it the undercroft and sending it out to six people. Oh, I do still so, do that. I just uh, good just man. Now I was going to ask if the undercroft was still a going concern. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, like. The problem is that everyone that was writing and drawing from the Undercroft is now writing and drawing from my books. So it's just like, yeah. there's no one for it. And also, um, like, I don't know, there's just not enough content for it. People aren't mm -hmm. giving me the things. People aren't giving me the right kind of things. And it's, it's, it is very low priority at the moment. Like, I will, I will put an Undercroft together when I have enough stuff. Mm. Uh, the biggest bottleneck is just, it's it's hard to get art that I'm happy with right. I suppose um, yeah well now you're paying for a lot of professional art nothing's good enough anymore is it no it's just <laughs> um, I don't know Like I, I'm weird with art like I, I, I tend to just I use uh, I mean like, I don't I don't just like hire someone for a one off job it's like if I if I get someone to do art then we're basically married after that it's like you're going to be doing <laughs> all of my things now it's like you are you're mine <laughs> <laughs> you're not allowed to do anything else, okay? Um, they never do, but I can. I, I'm still, you know, I really, I really hate generic art. This kind of stuff that Dungeons and Dragons puts in, in in literally everything they produce. It's just like it's not bad. Like the the people that do it are proficient, but they've obviously been mm. told, "Can you just do this boring shit, please? If you'd be so kind." And and they do, cause money, but. Yeah, I want nice things. I want nice things that people remember. Is that that's the that's the the philosophy the the strap line underneath Melsonian Arts Council? Interesting stuff that people like. Yeah, going going back to to Planescape, like one of the one of the, I think a very a much larger part of of people's love for it than than many people might realize is um what's his name uh, De Terlizzi Ter Tony artist. De Terlizzi, yeah, yeah, him. He he is the reason people remember that game so well like True. his art is is incredible absolutely like across the board everything he did was fantastic yeah um, and they were it was a I and mean, it was a really big sprawling line it generated a lot of books as, as you know and have since wood pulped but um he was one of the sole artists on it he was certainly the signature artist 
does a spider wick chronicles now is a very wealthy man yeah he's i mean he's 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 delightful and the thing is like that's what it is that's what i want from from artists um like they don't need to be like i don't know showy or anything like they can be they can be whatever they are they can be drawing stick figures for all i care Mm. but you should be able to look at them and go and say oh that's that's bob's pictures i can tell from looking at it that that was drawn by that guy like whatever, whatever it is, however pretty or ugly or whatever it is, you should be able to identify it, and that's and that that is that that I, that is what I qualify as good. That's the authorial voice again, isn't it? But yeah. through imagery and having having a, a style, having a stamp of of something that's a bit I don't know is it auteur the right word is, is that what um, you kind use of. With some of your stuff I think like, I suppose like with, with all the projects though that the, 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 the auteur thing is like there's there's lots of auteurs so it doesn't quite mm. work it's like the, all the artists are like I mean with Troika I've, I I mean with the new version of, with Troika it's not a new version it's just the, the printing with more stuff um, I have what like five artists on it mm. including Jeremy and again they don't know what the other ones are doing um, and they're given very little guidance, and you know, and all their stuff will be a unique take on on what the setting is. It'll it'll be, they will conflict to each other, and they will, they will not look right next to each other, and that is absolutely perfect. Mm. Cool. Okay, Dan, what what's out there at the moment? What's the new planescape? Is there anything firing? firing you up at the moment in the in the wider business um, or is there nothing at all and that's why you've got to write it where, <laughs> um, where's mean, the good stuff at where should people look is there anything is there anything that's getting me excited um, uh, something that exists already like I'm, I'm trying to think about the last role play game that got me got me going I think I really liked A State. I think that came out in like two thousand five. God, <laughs> I thought, I thought A State was pretty great. I haven't reread it, so I can't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet uh, anything I wouldn't on it. it. I remember the rules were terrible, but the setting right, yeah. was weird. I mean, interestingly, that's one of those books that um, we were talking about production now and all the rest of it. That's a book that who's Mark and Craig wrote, and he was saying that that's like that taught him loads about publishing role playing games. And he did a totally different model when he produced Hot War and other things like that, and Cold oh. City, because he was in the hole for A State for years because he printed off however many thousand copies, and it wasn't an extravagant amount, but it was just the old sale of return days, and you had to literally like ship them to sh- shops to a distributor, and if you didn't sell, they could come back to you and all that kind of stuff. And he just oh had to take a punt in the old days of publishing, where you go like, "How many do you think I might sell this book, and then print that many, and then hope you sell them?" Um, but that, that was, you know, thank God we're not in those days anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, jeez. Just just chuck them out. Everyone buys them. It's great. Um, a state should come back. Just just if he, if he's hearing, I want a second edition of A state. Do that, please. Thank you. Um, but yeah, <laughs> new things. Um, I am a terrible friend, and Cecil will probably forgive me. But Cecil Howe is is bringing out a new game, which he has recently announced, and that's going to be really really good because it's it's Wind in the Willows, the role play game. As far as I'm concerned, and that's just that's just great. That's going to be amazing. Um, I saw I saw that 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 came across my feeds. It's yeah, is the, the whole thing about woods and rivers and the, the nostalgia thing that you mentioned ages ago. You you mm. talked about nostalgia isn't done right. This sounds like this would be nostalgia done right. Is that what it's for, as yeah, far as I you mean, know? Is that what it's trying to do to get I, you to I think don't... back to when you were nine? 
yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how much Cecil is 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 wanting people to be blabbing about. But it, originally, that project was was tangentially related to Troika, and it's just, I don't know, it's just cool that there's just these kind of like sweet little games coming out rather than, you know, because like Troika is quite sweet. It's it's not violent. It's not an angry, and it's it's, it's cool to see that there's a. Uh, there's more stuff that's looking to create that kind of wonder rather than, uh, I don't know, the 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 standard kind of uh, production line of of roleplay game, you know, killy takey, have the thing. <laughs> have you seen something like Golden Sky Stories? No. What is that? Yeah, I knew you'd go ask that. As soon as I opened my mouth, I thought this is I'm going to have to back this up now. But that's that's just like happy um, happy tales, basically. I think there's alphabetic animals in it. All right, well, I'm going to have to find out now. It's something I would not normally touch because it's, you know, not about stabbing things and taking stuff or death or, <laughs> you know, Cthulhu eating cells. Um, I mean, but it's it's a, a non-violent game. It's a Japanese-style one. They're from Japan, in fact. Okay. You take the roles of um, Henge, which is like, you know, animals, magical animals, basically, and that kind of stuff. And it's about um, trying to get people to a happy place and stuff like that rather than getting material goods in-game or to trying to defeat foes it's more about getting someone to a happy a happy ending through a nice story <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but which yeah, I mean that that to be honest that sounds sounds like it'd be quite boring um, just like <laughs> from the pitch it's like ugh I just feel a bit tired for it but like the um, not to disparage what is probably a lovely game it's hard to do nice like I, I think I was talking about this to someone the other day it's like it's really easy to because I have to because I I, I, they hit a stretch goal that I have to write an adventure for Troika which is Ugh, I hate writing adventures. It's it's awful. But uh, like writing writing an adventure that is horrifying and just pushes everyone's buttons and does disgusting evil things is really easy compared to writing an adventure that's kind of cute or nice or or mm. just not horribly violent. It's it's tough, and, and getting it right is even harder. I think at least for me, I'm I'm not very good at it. And I think Cecil is going to going to do really well from what I've seen. This thing is great. Have you seen things like Tales from the Loop, which is kind of Stranger I, I looked, Things, the role playing game, and that sort of thing? I did. I did have a look, but I, I ended up not being too keen because it's in that area. Like, I really do want a a kind of coming of age teenagers solving crimes kind of game, but none of them have done it in the way that I want I have a very specific idea of what I want from uh, from that kind of game so it's like until someone makes yeah. that game that is literally in my head I will not be happy <laughs> I keep going well, back the, to the I artists have... um, he's done another book called Things from the Swamp or something like that Tales from the Flood that's it and it looks darker and the kids can die in it which they can't in Tales from the Loop so that might be closer but like I say if you've got your own unique vision in your head it might not suit but uh, I think it is good that we are seeing more games like that that have just got that, that aren't about go and kill an orc. There's just like a different thing to do. Uh, like I said, it's quite difficult then to write write adventures for it in inverted commas or to to guide people on what to do because, as Baz was saying right at the top of the show, you still need to tell people in your game what you do or let them have a know themselves what to do just from reading it. You know. Also, I was I was reread. I got a copy of Alma Mater on my book. You know Alma Mater, the roleplay game. Um, Heard of it? No, I do. It is the premise is you are American high school kids, and that is it. There's nothing weird. There's nothing magical, and it's just 
it's in the seventies, so it's really it's really shall we say unacceptable by today's standards. Um, okay. But it's just like the idea of 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 having to run a game that is just like you are high school kids in a time where bullying was cool, and you know all that other stuff. It's just like it's great and has like a system for keeping track of like how well you're doing in your classes and like random encounters during the day, <laughs> like you get. You know this and that, blah blah blah, drugs, smoking, pregnancies, that kind of stuff. Um, it's really grim. Like I keep looking at it and thinking, he's like, yeah, I really want to play this game. I just want to be, I just want to be a, some high school kid having just the worst time. I had enough of that at school. <laughs> that's, see, that's, what everyone, that's what everyone keeps saying. Is literally just me. I am the only person who wants to play this game. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do it when I have any time at all. Thanks to thanks to the help of Wikipedia, is, is the game I'm looking at is from 1982, and the quote about it is the illustrations by Errol Otis, who D and D people will know, are in such poor taste the game was banned at Gen Con that year. This wow. sounds like this sounds like exactly what you're after. It's 48 pages long. It's got everything in it, alcohols, drugs, and combat, and a section on academics. Yep. It is, <laughs> it, yeah, Errol Otis's work in there is is unacceptable it's fantastic he did a great job <laughs> unacceptable art in games nobody but you wants to play is pretty much again your tagline right yeah it's i, I would i would absolutely publish our matter um second edition if you're listening email me <laughs> so, i've spent yeah. half of this podcast googling things yeah <laughs> I'm just I'm just advertising for business, so <laughs> I want all these writers to come and let me do their thing. I, uh, cool. I think it's, I think it's, uh, it is a fruitful uh, avenue, that kind of thing. I mean, not to say like I mean I'm not saying that I don't want to have have and play and run games that are about killing people and taking their stuff. It's just uh, uh, variety is is good, I think. Cool. Okay. Dan, listen, uh, pleasure to have you back on. Let's not leave it 65 episodes before we do it again or Troika 3rd 3.5 <laughs> is coming yeah. out. That would be embarrassing. Um, if we can turn this round in the edit suite, mm-hmm. uh, which should be doable, uh, the Kickstarter for Troika will be probably in its last day or so. So like good chance for people to check it out. Like. Yeah. So there will be hopefully a chance for people to, to hop on and look for Troika, spelled T-R-O-I-K-A exclamation point because all the best things have that at the end yep. <laughs> and um, and hopefully you'll see if we can get another 20 copies on the boards for you and, and out eclipse your any award winning <laughs> publishing dream <laughs> yeah you're going to be those uh, big money influencers I bet Absolutely. No time. any sales from now on are down to us completely yep. <laughs> <laughs> Dan pleasure as always take care mate thanks for coming on tonight you're welcome my pleasure yeah Dan ta-da Thank you.